Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry, and we are picking back up with the wonderful topic, the sin of impatience. (laughs) People are impatiently fast-forwarding. Last episode, what we saw was how impatience can be battled by learning to overlook offenses by others that commonly breed impatience within your own heart. Now, all of this is uh, out of uh, based out of uh, Jerry Bridges' book, uh, Respectable Sins. And we encourage you to buy it. We do hope that you did go ahead and order that on Amazon with one day shipping. It should have been in your house and you should have already begun to read it. We hope that we don't have to become impatient with you. <laughs> Anyhow, we do hope though that you did try to practice what we talked about a bit over the last week. And if so, we hope that you saw some improvements in your own heart. Uh, It is a sin that's a hard one to root out, and it does take practice. So it's not enough for you to listen. You need to practice these things. So with that, we want to give you two more principles to share that will give you more help in fighting against impatience. Okay, so the second principle is that a godly person learns to lovingly confront offenses. Again, if if you often find yourself impatient with something that somebody's doing, and now you can't overlook it, like we talked about in that last episode, then you should address it, but especially if it is sin. Matthew 18, verse 15, is clear that if someone sins against you, then you should go and show him his fault. Now, that seems contrary to the previous point that we made last time, where you can overlook sin in 1 Peter 4, 8. But what's in view here is is either an egregious sin or a pattern of sin. Yeah, but what you find out, the way the reason we're dealing with this is you have one a person tends to be one side or the other. They're either the sin sniffer, and right. every church has that person who's obnoxious, and every sin becomes a Matthew 18 principle. Or you have the one who is, I'm just trying to overlook and the old, yeah, yeah. And they literally overlook to to harm for themselves but more importantly to the guy who's practicing that sin, but also even the church at large, because they let sins that are destructive go untouched and unchecked uh, that shouldn't have right. been. So yep. there's always that balance act. Yeah. So so a sin committed that's not normally committed yeah. should be overlooked, um, pr- provided it's not one of those egregious. Yeah. Except for like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, for instance, if, if someone shows impatience toward you, you can overlook it. Or if someone speaks an unkind word or acts in a selfish manner toward you, you can overlook that. Um, you know, especially if it's not part of that person's normal character or habit. But if the sin is a pattern in the person's life, then it is your duty as a fellow brother or sister to confront them. Not only will this help you from getting impatient more, but you will serve them well. That's a good point because it does. It does genuine sin that's hurtful and wrong um, in that sense 
it does. It starts to eat away at your soul and you're trying to be, you're trying to be patient. Well, I'm just going to overlook it, but you're not. And it, what it really is doing is starting to breed a bad, even worse sin in your own heart of bitterness and yeah, resentment. And then you retaliate. And then it's this nasty, ugly mess. Yeah. So there are times where you overlook an offense so long that you're no longer overlooking something, but you're actually encouraging negligence or sin in a person's life. And so when that happens, you can only blame yourself when you find yourself getting frustrated faster and quicker with someone. Impatience and frustration are, is always your fault because it's an issue of the heart. But it is especially the case when you choose not to address true sinful patterns in another person's life. Uh, by way of example, in, in the life of your spouse, your child, uh, coworker, friend, when they keep doing sin, a sinful action and you get frustrated with them because it's affecting you, you now bear that responsibility in yourself. Yeah. Now, as a side note, it is important to keep in mind that when a person sins against you, it does not now give room for you to respond in a sinful, impatient, frustrated, or angry manner. Uh, now, there is a righteous kind of anger. Uh, let's caveat it. In fact, God is in the perpetual state of this. Um, <laughs> Deuteronomy 9.8, Romans 2.5, for example. So when a person truly sins against you, you're allowed to be angry at the unjust nature of that act. However, the purpose of the anger is to lead you to a righteous response that will deal with it in a true, just manner. At some time, some point, we ought to really do a maybe one or two podcasts just exploring that because, again, people rush to that then. I'm just righteously angry it's like yeah i don't think so <laughs> right. um and other times it's like how are you not angry well how are you smiling at that yeah. act so it's a big one go ahead yeah well i just want to say here people talk about anger as being a useless emotion i don't know if you've ever heard that it's especially no. popular in like a evolutionary worldview or perspective uh that anger is now a useless emotion that is not true the purpose of righteous anger is to compel a person to seek out and execute justice in a righteous manner. This is exactly how it works with God. His righteous anger is what drives his righteous judgments. He doesn't overlook or ever become passive about sin. Rather, he will remain in that state of anger until the penalty of that sin is paid for Which or dealt is, with. Yeah. Um, but having said all that, the reality is that it is very rare that our anger is perfectly righteous. There is a righteous anger or a righteous impatience, but be careful in justifying your impatience to be an impatience that is holy. We are quick to call something a sin and get irritated about it. But the reality is that it wasn't necessarily a sin. Rather, we were simply inconvenienced. Yeah, if, if you're brutally honest with yourself. Yeah. Um, in fact, in counseling, I'll ask people, so what exactly was the sin? And once you actually force them to define it. It starts getting really vague really quick. Um, so let's give you a third principle then as well. A godly person understands that patience is a key for true faithfulness. A godly person understands that patience is a key for true, did I say faithfulness? I yeah, meant fruitfulness, fruitful. for true fruitfulness. Uh, now, this is something very true for pastors. There are many things in the church that pastors can become impatient about. If you ever <laughs> were ever in the car with Matt and I, <laughs> as we're just talking about our day, and 
our week and issues that we deal with. You know, if you don't know, you should pray for your pastor a lot more than you do, and you should show more kindness to them. Because if they're faithful pastors, they're dealing with difficult people. The One of the hardest things is just spending time with men in the church that you enjoy spending and who are godly and growing because you're almost always forced to deal with the squeaky wheel, right? And that's exactly what I, yeah, I told to our new members class on Sunday. It's just like, wow, I would love to have a time with you, but you're looking at your schedule and you're confronting this person, you're discipling this person out of sin, meaning you're giving them counsel and stuff. It's just, it's part of what it is. Um, and, and so pastors can be very impatient. Everything from the logistics and the administrative responsibilities as you are mostly dealing with volunteers to flat out sin in people's lives. So Paul is very careful to give Timothy instruction on this point. Um, and it's something I personally remind myself of often. So in 2 Timothy 4, 1, through two, uh, 1 and 2, he says, I solemnly charge you, and notice how he piles this up. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Bam. So you think, he, you think he's serious? Yeah. He's like, he's invoking God into this present uh, command to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. And then he adds with great patience and instruction. This is a great passage that defines and controls much of what we do as pastors. We reference it often, we teach on it often, but not much time can be spent on that important little phrase tucked in at the end. We believe in the word, a work of the word, but what we have to remind ourselves of is that the working of the word is often slow, and it's that by God's design. However, Paul obviously understood the impatience that can happen in ministry, and so he is careful to include that qualifier for how this work is to be done. In fact, this is an issue that has disqualified many from ministry, and it's rooted in pride. Many pastors push too hard, too fast, and the reason is because they want to build their church, or nowadays the fancy idea is to build your brand. Yeah. And in doing so, they run over the sheep, and they're willing even to harm some. That's evil. Yeah. Uh, it's impatience, and it's grounded in pride. Rather, if you're a pastor who is listening to this, or you're somebody who wants to be a pastor, something that we must remember is that the Lord will bless your ministry in His timing, which you may not even see until heaven. Yeah. That one, that's yeah. a hard one to take. Um, instead... Just be a faithful pastor. You preach the word, and you do it with much patience. Yeah, and ha having said that, the, the principle, though, applies to any area of the Christian life, right? Absolutely. So, so this would be true in your marriage, um, in true in child rearing, in your evangelism, in your service within the local church. All of it is to be done not merely with patience, <laughs> but Paul says here with great patience, and that's the, the challenge. You get the hint that Paul, <laughs> now in Second Timothy, he, remember, he's stuck in a dungeon that's essentially a sewer, chained, underground, waiting for his head to cut, get cut off. And so this is his last will and testament to his dear Timothy. And that, and he's like, he, oh, great patience. <laughs> I mean, he's at the end. He knows there's no tomorrow for him. It's any day he's going to be lifted up out of the uh, hole 
and his head will be severed. You, you wonder what Timothy had to be dealing with there in Ephesus yeah. for Paul to write this. Um, but he, know, he knows. He, he yeah. just knows this is, this is going to be your life as a pastor, Tim, Timothy. This is ministry sucks. <laughs> and, and yet it bears great reward. But mm-hmm. Right. So, so here the key to true fruitfulness especially in ministry, is taking the longer view, right? So, so simply be faithful and then just see what the Lord does. A great challenge in the Christian life is learning the discipline of waiting on the Lord. Oh, man. There, that, that Old Testament phrase, we, we are not sovereign, but He is. We cannot control our life, but He does. And while we understand this, we forget this. So just listen to some ways that patience is expressed and accomplished in the Old Testament. Well, first of all, patience reveals, this is cool, a courageous person. Now, listen to the parallelism. Um, Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. So there's this correlation between growing in courage by learning to be patient and waiting. Yep. That's weird. That, that, that's just yeah. counterintuitive for many. Another one, patience reveals a hopeful person. Um, so if you're not a patient person, the question is, are you a hopeful person, <laughs> right? So Psalm 130 verse five, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. So there you see the parallel there with waiting and hoping. Yeah, he sees what the word says, and and that's where the impatience comes, because it's like, that's what it says, why aren't you doing it? Right, right. <laughs> And and now I'm going to wait. Yeah, I'm going to keep teaching, like Paul says, with great patience. I'm going to preach it. It's out of season right now. If you pastors haven't figured this out, it's out of season time for America. And people don't want to hear you. Are you going to still preach the word? And you can do it with great patience, waiting on the Lord. That's, that's a great one. Yeah. Um, here's another one. Patience results in fulfilled promises. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. Yeah. Um, in other words, if you want a promise to be fulfilled, you got to be patient. Yeah. If you're not yeah. a patient, don't scratch your head that things aren't happening for you. And and the patience rests in God's timing. He has ordained when it will happen. So just chill. Yeah. Uh, second, everyone wants rest, right? But here, patience is synonymous with rest. Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Again, there's the parallel. Patient waiting is what resting is. So we're, we're anxiety-ridden, stress-ridden, all these different things. Um, but perhaps it's because we're not being patient. Well, and I think that gets into the even the rebuke James gives. You know, don't say that you'll go to such and such a city, conduct business, make a profit, and return. He says, instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, I yeah. will do such and such. But all such uh, boasting is evil, evil, he says. So we just assume, yeah, we're going to go to work, we'll be home, and then we'll go do this. Um, in our home, we really use that word or phrase, Lord willing, a lot, just to train ourselves to constantly remember um, if the Lord wills. <laughs> and in his time, these things will come to pass. So another one, patience results in the Lord showing kindness to you. In Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. So patience here is synonymous with seeking God. Sometimes we seek God and think it should immediately produce what we want. But here, patience means we seek God. But it also means that he will show us his goodness 
in his timing. And that gets picked up in Matthew 6.33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So we have a promise of provision. God will meet our needs if we're busy seeking the kingdom. However, there's not a qualification as to the timing of that provision. So we're to just be busy seeking the kingdom, and God will provide his timing. And that involves a lot of patience. We get frustrated when God doesn't provide in our timing. But this is an unholy impatience, and I, I, we should not expect God's blessing and provision if this is our attitude. And I think you and I experienced that as we were trying to figure out where you were going to plant. Yeah, there was some of that for sure. Man, did he not rip the rug out from underneath our feet repeatedly? (laughs) And sometimes you felt like with glee. You know, you're like, are you enjoying this work? (laughs) We are not. (laughs) But, you know. Yeah, that was a tough one. Learning to wait, and and then now we just marvel at God's grace. Yeah. Uh, Patience also results in a new strength. I like this one. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run out and not run and not get tired. And they will walk and not become weary. Yeah. You know what the real uh, proper translation for eagles is? Tur- uh, turkey vultures. Yes, I did know that. Yeah. <laughs> Just doesn't have the same. Yeah. Can you picture somebody would actually do a really pretty meme with this verse? And instead of the soaring wings of a bald eagle, because we're Americans, yeah. it would just be some nasty turkey vulture. <laughs> well, and that was prophesying of a time in which they'd be in captivity. Yep, yep. But per- perhaps beyond all of these, we should be patient because it reflects the nature and character of our God. So uh, Romans 2.4, actually this, yeah. Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience and not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? So if God is not by nature, or if God was not by nature patient, then we'd all be judged and condemned already. Plain and simple. Yeah. But in his anger towards sin, he brings it under the control of his patience so that we might have time to repent. In fact, it's actually affirmed for us in Romans 9, 22 and 23. What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, uh, which he prepared beforehand for glory. Yeah, so here God shows patience even toward the non-elect, but so that he might display and make known his riches and glory toward the elect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even there you can see that glory and exaltation um, is preceded by patience, even when it comes to God. So this is why the unjust, though, experience the good gifts of God as well. They don't understand God is showing them patience, but his patience has purpose, and it's to bring in the elect. Paul writes of this reality in his own personal testimony. In 1 Timothy 1.16, he says, Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. So there's many more that we could look at, but uh, these are just different ways the Bible explains and describes patience and also the fruit of patience. So a lot more could be said. Uh, These are just some essential thoughts about the issue. Uh, The big takeaway for us in our culture is that impatience is not a virtue 
despite its pragmatic results. And that's the, the key there. Rather, what pleases the Lord is patience. Uh, we easily forget that he puts us into inconvenient and difficult situations on purpose. He wants to forge us into the image of Christ. And we would just do well to embrace that sanctification, hear this, is often inconvenient. Um, it is difficult, it is painful, it can be incredibly frustrating. Yeah. But God's in the business of rooting out the sin in our life. This means he takes things away that we enjoy and things that are convenient. This means he intentionally makes things slow for us, uh, you know, like when our child won't learn something quicker <laughs> or they keep making messes or your spouse keeps leaving towels on the floor, even little things like that. This means he pours us through the crucible of trials and frustrations. Like when he puts us in a difficult marriage or he hasn't yet provided a spouse or he hasn't yet released us from a difficult job. But if we believe that God is in the business of crafting us into us, the better image of his son, then that should bring us great joy. Um, and I would say it's something that we can truly yeah. rest in. Uh, he loves us, he cares for us, and he only gives us that which is good for us. So the truth is we are far more prideful, self-centered, and self-seeking than any of us would like to admit. But the sooner we can learn that God has not created us for ourselves and for our own pleasures, but to create glory to him, we'll ironically find ourselves more content, more joyful, and far less frustrated. That's weird, but it's true. Um, this is not our world. God did not create it for us. Rather, we are sojourners who are broken uh, through a broken age that's been crippled by sin. And so a great remedy for living well is learning the discipline of putting off impatience and putting on patience. It's hard, but it's what God desires for us. So for those struggling with impatience right now, especially toward a person in the church, let us leave you with this command of Paul. In Colossians 3, 12 and through 13, such a great passage. Yeah. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Those are good words. Yeah. Amen. Well, until next time, make sure to tune on, tune on, <laughs> tune in, join the conversation. We really would love to hear your thoughts on this uh, subject. Don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, review, connect on the social media in Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and tell a friend. Mm -hmm.